In this episode of the Living for Truth podcast, we resume our personal reading of Christianity Through the Centuries, A History of the Christian Church by Earl E. Carnes. This is a personal reading, and we resume our reading in chapter 30 in the section titled Reformation and the Counter-Reformation that took place from 1517 to 1648. Chapter 30, The Reformation and Puritanism in England. The Protestant Reformation created the Lutheran, Anabaptist, and Reformed aspects of the Christian faith. The fourth and, for the United States and the Commonwealth nations of England, one of the most important was the Anglican Reformation in England. It ranks with the Lutheran movement in its conservative approach to reform. Having no dominant ecclesiastical leader such as Calvin or Luther, it was dominated by the ruler who became the head of the national church. For that reason, it began as a lay political movement, continued as a religious movement, and concluded with the Elizabethan settlement in the middle of the 16th century. It spread all over the world because of the worldwide extent of British settlement. Roman numeral 1. Reforming the Church in England. Heading A. Causes of the Reformation in England. The Lollards, who had been organized to spread the teaching of John Wycliffe, had never been stamped out. On the contrary, their teachings had circulated in the homes of the more humble people of England through a religious underground movement during the 15th century. Their emphasis on the authority of the scriptures and the need of personal relation to Christ was revived with the emergence of the political reformation in England in the first quarter of the 16th century. One must also remember that the Tudor monarchs, who ruled England between 1485 and 1603, had created a strong national state in which the ruler through the army had a bureaucracy, was able to, to give to the rising middle class the security that was essential to business. In return, the middle class accepted the, the restrictions on their liberty and cooperated with the ruler, who also used them in the government. The older feudal nobility had practically disappeared by 1485 because it had committed class suicide during the Wars of the Roses. King and middle class united in promoting the welfare of the land. Because of this, there was a rising tide of national consciousness that gave support to the ruler in his efforts to separate the English church from the papacy. Control of much land in England by the Roman church, papal taxation, which took good English money to Rome, and church courts, which were rivals of the, of the royal courts, angered both ruler and subjects. These problems caused the, na the nation to support Henry VIII when he decided to break with Rome. The intellectual factor must not be ignored. The biblical humanists of Oxford, reformers of Oxford University, such as John Calais in 1466-1519, dean of St. Paul's Church, began, began early in the 16th century to study the Bible in the original tongue through the medium of Erasmus's Greek New Testament and to expound the meaning of the Bible to their people. These humanists were extremely critical of the failure that they saw in the Roman Church and were anxious to bring about reform. William Tyndale in 1494 to 1536, and Miles Coverdale, who later made the scriptures available to the English people in their own tongue, were also reformers. Tyndale published two editions, each of 3,000 copies of, the, of his English New Testament at Worms in 1525. This translation from Erasmus's Greek Testament was the first printed English New Testament. It was distributed in, in England by friendly merchants, 
Although Tyndale was martyred near Brussels in 1536, his work lived on and helped to stimulate religious reform in England. Miles Coverdale published the first complete printed English translation of the whole Bible in 1535. The student of the Reformation is always impressed with the way in which the fortunes of the Reformation were so closely identified with the translation of the Bible into the common tongue of the people. Luther's writings were also circulated widely in England. Scholars at Oxford and Cambridge studied the ba his Babylonian captivity with, rel with relish because of its criticism and of the abuses of the Roman Church. In 1521, Henry VIII attacked his tract in a scurrilous, scurrilous work called In Defense of the Seven Sacraments. The grateful Pope gave him the title of Defender of the Faith, and this title has been used by the Protestant rulers of the England since that time. Public burning of Luther's books did not stop the spread of his ideas, and thus men such as Tyndale and Thomas Kramer were attached, were attracted to Protestant ideas. The direct cause of the coming of the Anglican Reformation was not so much the love affairs of Henry VIII as his desire to have a legitimate male heir. It seemed that he and Catherine could not have a son. In order to get a divorce from her and, and the right to marry Anne Bolin, with whom he was in love, he had to bring the Roman Church in England under his control. Henry's action constituted the direct and personal cause of the beginning of the Reformation in England. Heading B. Revolt from Rome under Henry VIII, 1509-1547. Henry VIII, who ruled from 1509-1547, to was a handsome, generous, strong, cultured prince who knew theology, was a good musician, and could speak Latin, French, and Spanish as well as English. He enjoyed the chase, archery, the tennis, and sports that, were, that helped to make him more popular with the English people than his parsimonious Parsimonious father, Henry VII, had been. His father had endeavored to relate his line to the important royal families of Europe by strategic marriages. His daughter, Margaret, was married to James of Scotland. Her great-grandson, James VI of Scotland, became James I of England in 1603. His son, Arthur, was married to a Spanish princess, Catherine of Aragon. When Arthur died, the miserly, the miserly king in order not to lose Catherine's dowry, persuaded Pope Julius II to grant a dispensation so that Catherine could be married to Arthur's younger brother, Henry, in 1503. Henry and Catherine had one child. Later, his child ruled as Mary Tudor. When it became apparent that he could not have a son by this marriage, Henry became concerned because he believed that England would need a male ruler after his death in order to see the land through the period of international turbulence. He also thought that possibly God was punishing him for marrying his brother's widow, an action prohibited by, by both canon law and Leviticus 20.21. 20, Falling in love with the pretty Anne Bolin, Henry ordered his advisor, Cardinal Wolsey, Wolsey to negotiate with Clement VII for a divorce from Catherine. Catherine. Clement VII was unable to grant his request because in 1527 he was under the control of Catherine's nephew, the powerful Charles V, the ruler of Spain and the emperor of Germany. Henry accused Wolsey of high treason when he failed to get the divorce, but Wolsey died before Henry could execute him. Thomas Cromwell became Henry's chief minister, and in 1532 Protestant Thomas Cranmer, 1489-1556, was made Archbishop of Canterbury in 1533. 
Because it was apparent that the Pope would not grant him a divorce, Henry decided to get it through the English clergy, who could be coerced into granting it by Parliament. The Tudor Parliament was representative of the people, but was responsible to the king rather than to the people, because the Tudors ruled as dictators, concealing the iron fist in a velvet glove. Thus the Reformation was in initiated in England by the lay authority of the ruler of par and Parliament. The Reformation Parliament ended papal control and monasticism. In 1531, Henry accused the English clergy of violating a statute prohibiting recognition of and of any appointee of the Pope without the ruler's consent because they had accepted Wolsey as a papal legate, even though Wolsey had been Henry's trusted advisor. Henry had then had them accept himself as head of the church in England as, quote, as far as the law of Christ allows, end quote. He also fined them over 118,000 euro. He again fined them in 1432 and forced the clergy to conv convocation, the national meeting of the Roman church in England, to agree to, in the submission of the clergy that they would promulgate no papal bull in England without the ruler's consent. In this manner, the clergy accepted Henry as their head, and his marriage to Catherine was declared invalid in 1533 by Cranmer in his church court. Cranmer was able to do what the Pope and scholars failed to do. Henry married Anne that same year. Henry then turned to parliaments for aid. Parliaments prohibited residents of the English clergy outside the country. Another act forbade the payment of annates to the Pope. Parliament banned appeals from church courts in England to the papal courts in Rome, and the most important step in the separation of the church in England from the papacy was then taken in the Act of Supremacy in 1534. The Act declared that the king was the only supreme head of the church of England. This constituted the political break with Rome. Parliament in the same year passed the Act of Succession, which gave the throne to the children of Henry and Anne. Subjects were to take an oath to observe the statute and repudiate papal authority. When the courageous Thomas More refused to do so, he was executed. Henry was now head of the English church. Henry evidently believed that this settlement would be final, only if he could tie the middle class of England to the changes he had made by giving them an economic interest in change. He cast covetous eyes on the property of the Roman Church, and had Cromwell gather evidence, some of it genuine, of the sins of the monks. In 1536, Parliament ordered the closing of all monasteries with less than £200 annual income. In all, 376 monasteries were closed, and their property was taken over by the Crown. In 1539, over 150 of the larger ones were closed by Act of Parliament. Twenty-eight abbots disappeared from the House of Lords. The king kept part of the lands and wealth for himself. The rest he gave or sold cheaply to the middle-class landed gentry. These people became the new nobility and loyal supporters of the ecclesiastical changes that Henry and Parliament had made. Henry gained an income of approximately £100,000 annually because the disposed monks had to be cared for. The state, for the first time, began to engage in relief by grants of aid to some of the monks. The passage of the six Articles of Parliament by Parliament in 1539 was proof that Henry had broken only the ecclesiastical tie between the Church and England, in England and Rome. These Articles reaffirmed transubstantiation, communion in one kind, celibacy, and the auricular confession. 
In theology, the Church of England remained true to Rome. Henry had made concessions to reform in 1536 by issuing the Ten Articles and by authorizing an English translation of the Bible. Hence, the Great Bible was issued in 1539 as a revision of the work of Tyndale and Coverdale. Cranmer wrote the preface. It was also known as the Chained Bible because it was chained to its stands in many churches. When the danger of foreign attack passed, Henry again enforced the reaction reactionary six articles in 1539. In the meantime, Henry had tied had tired of Anne Bolin, especially because their child had been a girl, whom they named Elizabeth. In 1536, Anne was tried and beheaded on charges of adultery. Henry next married Jane Seymour, who bore the son he wanted before she died. Later, Henry married Anne of Claves, whom he divorced. Catherine Howard, whom he executed, and Catherine Parr, who had the singular fortune to outlive him. Henry freed the church from the papacy and put it under royal control as a national church. In his will, he stated that after his death, his son Edward should take the throne. Edward would be followed by Mary, the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, and Mary by Elizabeth, the daughter of Anne Bolin. When Henry finally died, the English church was a national church with the ruler as its head, but it was Roman Catholic in doctrine. The Bible was, however, available to the people in their, own, in their own tongue. Henry's son, Edward, was to carry out the Protestant phase of the Reformation that Henry had begun as an ecclesiastical movement between 1527 and 1547. Heading C. Protestant Reformation under Edward VI, 1547-1553. through 1553. Because Edward VI was only nine when he came to the throne, his mother's brother, the Duke of Somerset, was appointed as regent. He was succeeded by the Duke of Northumberland some two and a half years later. Somerset had Protestant sympathies and helped the young king to institute changes that would make the Reformation in England religious and theological. In 1547, Parliament granted the cup to the laity in the communion service, repealed treason and heresy laws and the Six Articles, legalized the marriage of priests in 1549, and in 1547 ordered the dissolution of chanteries, which were endowed chapels for saying masses for the soul of the one who made the endowment. Positive action was also taken by Somerset, Church services were to be in the common tongue rather than in Latin. An act of uniformity in 1549 provided for the use of the Book of Common Prayer, which was the work of Cranmer. The book emphasized the use of English in the services, the reading of the Bible, and the participation of the congregation in worship. The second and more Protestant edition, issued in 1552, reflected Calvinistic influences because of Boucher. The churches were ordered to use it by a second act of conformity in this prayer book with slight modifications adopted in Elizabeth's reign is the same one that the Anglican Church has used since that time. Cranmer also engaged in the drawing of, of, of a creed with the advice of various theologians such as John Knox. The resulting 42 articles, later in reduced to 39 articles, were made the creed of the Anglican Church by royal assent in 1553. The articles were somewhat Calvinistic in tone, especially in the matter of predestination and the view of, com- and the view of communion. The signing of this act was followed by the death of Edward VI. Heading D. 
Roman Catholic reaction under Mary Tudor, 1553 through 1558. Mary, who ruled from 1553 to 1558, was the daughter of Henry VIII by Catherine of Aragon. Her reign coincided with the development of the Counter-Reformation in the Roman Church in, on the continent and made and may be thought of as the English parallel to the Counter-Reformation on the continent. Advised by Cardinal Reginald Pole, Mary, who was Roman Catholic to the core, forced Parliament to restore religious practices in England to what they were at the death of her father in 1547, and to repudiate the changes that had been made under Edward. Parliament agreed to the necessary measurements, but it would not restore the lands that had been taken from the Roman Church during the reign of Henry VIII. Mary married Philip II of Spain in 1554, but the marriage was unpopular with the English people, and Philip never requited Mary's love. He went back to Spain in 1555. About 800 of the English clergy refused to accept these changes and lost their parishes. They were forced to flee to Geneva and to Frankfurt, for refuge, if they were not to perish in the persecution that Mary initiated over 275, mainly from the commercial areas of southeastern England, were martyred for their faith. Chief among them were Cranmer, Hugh Latimer, and Nicholas Ridley. Latimer encouraged Ridley at the stake by his remark of their burning, that their burning would light the candle in England by the grace of God and would never be put out. Cranmer at first recanted, but later recanted his recantation, and when he was burned, put the hands that had signed the recantation in the fire until it was burned. Cranmer had given the English their great Bible, the prayer book for worship, and the 42 articles, soon revised to become the 39 articles, which are still the creed of the Anglican Church. Nothing strengthened the cause of Protestantism more than the death of these brave martyrs. Their earnest conviction encouraged convinced Englishmen of their true, of the truth of their opinions. Fox's Book of Martyrs in 1563 recounts these persecutions in gory detail, and it aroused sympathy for Protestantism. Mary's great mistakes were the Spanish marriage, the restoration of the authority of the Pope, and this persecution. Englishmen have never favored extremes, and they reacted against Mary's extreme, as some had against the extreme of Protestants, Protestant changes under Edward VI. They, the way was prepared for a compromise settlement with the, the accession of Elizabeth. Heading E, the settlement under Elizabeth, 1558 to 1603. When Elizabeth ascended the throne at the age of 25, she faced many problems. Mary Stuart had a valid claim to the throne. Spain was ready to intervene to substantiate Philip's claim to the English throne as the husband of the, the, the late Mary Tudor. And England was divided between the Protestant and Roman Catholics and the Roman religious views. Elizabeth could hardly be other than a Protestant because the Roman clergy would not admit the legality of her parents' marriage, but she did not want to risk open conflict with the powers supporting the Pope. For that reason, she favored the course that would be acceptable to most of the people of England, who favored a moderate settlement of religion that would avoid the extremes of either side. Elizabeth had Parliament pass the Act of Supremacy in 1559, which made the Queen, quote, 
the only supreme governor of this realm, end quote, in spiritual and ecclesiastical as well as temporal matters. This title gave less offense than that of, quote, supreme head of the church, end quote, which Henry VIII had insisted on. Because while it gave the queen administrative authority, it implied that matters of faith and morals should be settled by the Church of England. An act of uniformity provided for the use of the prayer book in 1552 with only slight modifications. Absence from church was to be punished by a shilling fine. The 42 articles were revised by the omission of articles condemnatory of the antinomians, Anabaptists, and millenarians, and by the recognition of others until there were 39 articles. The 39 articles were accepted by Parliament in 1563 as the creed of the Anglican Church, and all pastors were required to subscribe to it. This creed, with slight modifications in 1571, has been the creed of the Anglican Church since that time. These steps, even though moderate, aroused the undying enmity of the Pope, and in 1570, Pope Pius V issued a bull excommunicating Elizabeth and freeing their, her subjects from their allegiance to her. Elizabeth retaliated by an act aimed at the Jesuits, who planned to recapture England for the papacy. A seminary had been set up at Dois in Flanders in 1568 by William Allen, and, were, and here men could be trained by Jesuits to minister secretly to the followers of the Pope in England. About 125 Jesuits were executed in England. The Dua Bible was translated from the Vulgate in 1609, and the New Testament was made available to English Roman Catholics in 1582. The Pope then enlisted the aid of Philip of Spain to recover England for the Roman Church. Philip was also too glad to do this because he was a loyal son of the Church of Rome, and because he knew that Elizabeth was secretly aiding his rebellious Dutch subjects. In 1588, he, he gathered a great fleet known as the Spanish Armada and sailed against England. His fleet was ignominiously defeated by the English fleet, which consisted of smaller, more maneuverable ships manned by expert sailors. This victory established England as the champion of Protestantism in Europe and blasted the Pope's last hope of regaining England for the Roman Church. The Reformation brought the Bible to English people, to the English people in their own tongue. England became the champion of Protestantism in Europe and aided the Dutch and French Calvinistic Protestants against their Catholic rulers. A state church was adopted. Irish bitterness toward England was intensified because Ireland remained loyal to the papacy. An Irish revolt near the end of her reign taxed Elizabeth's financial resources to the limit. The sale and gift of the land taken from the Roman Church to the middle class created a new Tudor nobility. The abbots, who had their, lost their monasteries, no longer met with the House of Lords. The need for an agency to take over the welfare work of the Church led to an extension of the activities of the state in this area. The Elizabethan settlement did put England on the road to greatness and empire. But the road ahead was not to be without trouble. The defeat of Spain and the Pope left and the Pope left the English rulers free to give attention to the problem of Puritanism. From fifteen sixty seven to sixteen sixty, the Puritans 
were a dominant force in English domestic affairs. They sought to transform rather than overthrow the Anglican Church. Roman numeral two, Puritans and Separatists. Heading A, the Puritans. Victory in the struggle with the papacy did not give the queen rest because of the rising power of the Puritans, who threatened to change the Episcopal State Church into a Presbyterian Congregational Church. The Puritans contended that, that too many, quote, rags of popery, end quote, were still in the Anglican Church, and they wanted to purify the Anglican Church in accordance with the Bible which they accepted as the infallible rule of faith and life. This desire led to their being nicknamed Puritans after 1560. Up until 1570, their main objections were directed against the continued use in the liturgy of the church of ritual investments that seemed popish to them. They opposed the use of saints' days, clerical absolution, the sign of the cross, the custom of of having godparents in baptism, kneeling for communion, and the use of surplice by the minister. They also followed William Ames, 1576-1633, and William Perkins. Interpretations of Calvin Cambridge became the universal center where the Puritans had their greatest influence. They witnessed to God's sovereignty in Christ's loving redemption under the new covenant, urged meditation on the authoritative inspired scriptures or the Bible, emphasized life's transitoriness, insisted on the need of constant reformation, and promoted a theology intended to soften the heart and enlighten the conscience. Puritanism continued to grow and won support of many lawyers, merchants, and country gentry. After the ending of the Danger from the Pope, Elizabeth had an act passed against the Puritans in 1593. This act gave the authorities the right to imprison the Puritans for failure to attend the Anglican Church. It is important to remember that the Puritans were not dissenters, but a party in the Anglican Church who, in the case of Cartwright and his followers, wanted a Presbyterian or, like Jacob and his followers, a Congregational State Church. The later party formed the group of Puritans known as Independents. The Independents must be distinguished from the Separatists, who wanted separation from church and state and congregational government in the church. Both groups continued to grow in strength in spite of the opposition from the ruler and to give useful criticism to the Church of England. Extreme fashions in dress, laxity in keeping Sunday, and the lack of consciousness of sin were all condemned. The roots of English nonconformist sects in New England, Congregationalism, were in the Puritan movement. The principle of denominationalism, which was to supersede the state church of the Reformation, began with them. A few years before his death, Richard Hooker, in order to meet the Puritan threat to the state church, wrote the Treaties of the Laws of the Ecclesiastical Polity a work primarily philosophical in nature. In it, Hooker maintained that law, given by God and discovered by reason, is basic. Obedience to the ruler who rules by consent of the people and according to the law is necessary because the ruler is the head of both state and church. Members of the, of the state are also members of the state church and in both areas are subject to divine law. 
bishops subordinate to the king, are to supervise the state church. Hooker was opposed both to the tendency of the Puritans to separate the church and the state, and to the papal claims to power over the state. It was little wonder that the Puritan theologians opposed his ideas because they believed that the people under God were the source of sovereignty in the church. The emergence of Thomas Cartwright as professor of theology at Cambridge in 1570 shifted the emphasis in the Puritan efforts from reform to liturgy to reform in theology and church government. Insistence on the final authority of the scriptures led his followers to adopt a Calvinistic theology that would make the 39 articles even more Calvinistic. In his lectures on the Book of Acts in 1570, Cartwright opposed government by bishops. The government of the church, he wrote, should be in control of a presbytery of bishops or elders who had only spiritual functions. This system was essentially the Calvinistic system of church government by elders who were elected by the congregation. Later, Cartwright translated Walter Travers' Travers, Ecclesiastical Discipline, in which he advocated the setting of a presbytery in every diocese of the church. He laid the foundations of the English Presbyterianism that was so influential between 1643 and 1648. Presbyterianism in modern England owes its existence to to his initial work. The first Presbyterian church was established at Wandsworth in 1572. A number of the Puritans who did not follow the Presbyterian pattern of Cartwright adopted the ideas of Henry Jacob, Jacob may be considered the founder of the Independents or Puritan Congregationalists. The Independents were were not so inclined to separatism as the followers of Robert Brown, who emphasized that the Church covenant as the link that bound Christians together. Jacob was one of the signers of the millinery petition to James I in 1603, which asked for a change from episcopacy in England. He was imprisoned for his view that each congregation was to be left free in the state church to choose its own pastor, determine its policies, and manage its own affairs. About 1606, Jacob migrated to Holland and became the minister of the Englishman in Middleburg. John Robinson, pastor of the separatist congregation in Holland, whose members later migrated to Plymouth, and Jacob had considerable influence on each other. Jacob returned to England in 1616 and became the pastor of the Congregation of Independence in Southwark, London, from 1616 to 1622. Independent or Congregational Puritanism in England grew slowly from this humble beginning, until under Oliver Cromwell it became more powerful than Presbyterianism. Cromwell and Milton were independents. In 1658, at Savoy in London, Congregationalists, followers of Jacob, and separatists, congregations, congregations formulated a Calvinistic creed known as the Savoy Declaration. English Congregationalism is a lineal descendant of this Puritan Congregationalism rather than that of the separatist Congregationalism of Robert Brown. Heading B. Separatist Puritans. The major point of difference between the Episcopal Presbyterian and Independent Puritans so far discussed and the Separatist Puritans was the idea of the Church Covenant by which the Separatists bound themselves in loyalty to Christ and one another, apart from the State Church. The diagram on page 332 gives some idea of the development of the various Puritan groups. The earliest group of Separatists who set up a church based on the covenant was the organized was that organized by Richard Fitz about 1567. 
Robert Brown, who graduated from Cambridge in 1572, gathered together a group under a church covenant in Norwich in 1580 and 15, or 1581. From there, he was forced to flee with his congregation to Holland. There he wrote three treaties elaborating the principles of separatist congregationalism. The most important was entitled Reformation Without Tarrying for Annie. In this work, in 1582, Brown argued that believers were to be united to Christ and to one another by a voluntary covenant, that offices were to be chosen by the members, and that no congregation was to have authority over another. Unlike the independent Congregationalists, the Separatists would have nothing to do with the state church. Brown returned to England and in 1591 was ordained in the Anglican Church, which he served until his death. But the advanced principles that he had developed were to live on. Brown's principles of advancing Congregationalism were somewhat modified by the congregation that, appe that appeared in London about 1586 under the leadership of John Greenwood and Henry Barrow who were both in, hanged in 1593 by the authorities for their views. Francis Johnson became the pastor of the flock that migrated to Holland. By 1640, several hundred of these borrowists were in England. A third separatist group of Congregationalists appeared in Gainsborough and Scrooby in 1606. The Scrooby group was led by John Robinson, under whose leadership the group finally settled in Leiden, Holland, in 1608. William Bradford, of later fame in Plymouth, became a member of this group. It was members of this group who finally migrated to America in 1620 in the Mayflower. It is interesting to note that the immigrants applied the covenant idea to political life by entering into the Mayflower Compact before landing in Plymouth. Because of persecution, the Gainsborough group also migrated to Amsterdam in 1606 and 1607 under the leadership of John Smith, or Smythe. There, they came under the influence of the Mennonites. About 1608, Smythe baptized himself. Thomas Hellwise, and other members of his flock by pouring. Part of this, his congregation became Mennonites after a long period of negotiation for inclusion in that body. Thomas Hellwise, John Merton, and their followers returned to England about 1611 or 1612 and organized the first English Baptist church. The group thought that Christ died for all. They were known as General Baptists because they held to general rather than particular atonement. Thus, the First English Baptist Church emerged from the Separatist Congregationalist group. The stronger group of Calvinistic or particular Baptists originated in a schism from Henry Jacob's congregation in London in 1633 and 1638. They held to the baptism of believers by immersion and a Calvinistic theology that emphasized limited atonement. It was this congregation, first led by John Spilsbury, in in, that in 1638 became the main influence in the English Baptist movement. The antecedents of the American Baptist movement are to be found in this group. Although Roger Williams was not a Baptist, 
that when he went to America, he had imbibed Baptist principles, and he used these as soon as opposition to his preaching developed among the Congregationalists. The Fires of Smithfield, the Spanish Armada, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and the Guy Fox plot to blow up Parliament in 1605 made the English anti-Roman Catholic. Heading C. The Puritan Struggle with the Stuarts. The religious forces generated by the exiles under Mary Tudor, exiles who had become acquainted with Calvinism in Europe, and by the Geneva Bible of 1560 resulted in the Puritanism that caused Elizabeth no little difficulty. When her successor, James VI of Scotland, became James I of England in 1603, the Puritans hoped that this Calvinistic king, who liked episcopacy, would set up a Presbyterian government in the Anglican Church. To emphasize their hope, they presented him with the millinery petition, signed by nearly a thousand Puritan ministers. Upon his arrival in 1603, and asked that the Anglican Church be completely purified in liturgy and polity. The pedigree, or pudgy, rickets, deformed, vain, garlious ruler called the Hampton Court Conference in 1604. When the Puritans began, again demanded reform, James became angry and said that he would, quote, harry them out of the kingdom, end quote, if they would not conform. And as for the Presbyterian polity in the state church, he said that Presbyterianism, quote, agreeeth as well with monarchy as God and the devil, end quote. Permission to make a new English translation of the scriptures was that was the net result of this meeting, and a group of 54 learned divines began work on the Bible popularly known as the Authorized or King James Version. This translation was completed in 1611 and in time replaced the Genevan Bible in the affections of the Anglo-Saxons. The issues between James and the Puritans included more than the religious disagreement over Presbyterian or Episcopal forms of government for the state church. The judicial issue concerned the struggle between the legal common law courts of England and the extra-legal court system that the Tudors had set up to give them complete control of their subjects. Another problem concerned the question as to whether monarch or parliament was sovereign. Was the king the divinely appointed sovereign responsible only to God, or was he appointed by the consent of the people in parliament? The economic question involved the problem with whether the king could levy taxes or whether that, that was the exclusive prerogative of parliament. Unfortunately for the Stuarts, neither James nor his three successors had any of the skill of the Tudors in hiding the iron fist in the velvet glove of a monarchy, of a monarch apparently supported by Parliament. During Elizabeth's and James's reigns, the Puritans had been winning adherence to their views among the merchants of the city and the country gentry. These groups were forced into opposition to the ruler on all the points just mentioned and bided their time until they could act. Charles I, who ruled from 1625 until he was executed in 1649, was an honorable, brave, and able but weak man who believed more strongly in the marriage of divine right monarchy and episcopacy than his father did. He also insisted on a subservient parliament, and he could not get one, ruled without parliament from 1629 until 1640. 
Many Puritans wearied with his pro-Catholic policy and hoped and hoping for better conditions in England migrated to America. At least 20,000 left England for America between 1628 and 1640. Charles' appointment of William Laud, a man of small stature and narrow mind, as the Archbishop of Canterbury created a set of conditions that in time brought his downfall. Laud was favorable to uniformity in polity and to Arminian theology, which the Calvinistic Puritans disliked, and he appointed Arminians to the best church positions. The attempt of Laud to force a new book of common prayer on the Church of Scotland in 1637 proved to be the incident that started the struggle between the Puritans and their ruler. The Scots rebelled against this attempt to change their liturgy, polity, and faith in order to to have religious uniformity in the two lands. This was the period when Jenny Geddes was supposed to have hurled the stool on which she sat at the head of the minister for daring to, quote, say mass at my lug, end quote, or ear, in historic St. Giles Church in Edinburgh. In 1638, the Scottish people signed a national covenant to defend Presbyterianism and invaded England. Charles made an attempt to repel the invaders, but finally had to buy them off. The Scots marched into England a second time and remained in the north as a threat. To get money, Charles called a parliament in 1640, which was known as the Long Parliament because it was not replaced until 1660. The Long Parliament, before granting any funds, imprisoned or executed Charles' advisers, abolished all the legal courts, and took control of finance in the state. But it could not reach an agreement on the subject of religion. Moderates who wanted to retain episcopacy were known as the Royalists or Cavaliers, and the Puritan country gentry and merchants who dared who desired Presbyterianism who desired Presbyterian or congregational polity and doctrine were known as Puritans or Roundheads. In sixteen forty two the Royalists withdrew from Parliament after Charles tried to tried to unsuccessfully to arrest five members of the House of Commons for treason, and the Civil War, which was to last until sixteen forty six, began. Success in the conflict came to the Puritans of the long parliament because of the unexpected military skill of Oliver Cromwell. His well-trained and highly disciplined cavalry of godly Puritans, the Ironsides, became the model on which the victorious new model army was organized. By 1646, the king captured, was captured by parliament, and after his subsequent escape, and a short second civil war in 1648, he was executed in 1649. The Puritans controlled England in 1660. Parliament, in the meantime, abolished episcopacy in 1643 and commissioned the Westminster Abbey Assembly, composed of 151 English Puritans. To secure Scottish aid in the war, Parliament accepted the Solemn League of Covenant in 1638 and added eight Scottish Presbyterians to advise it on the polity and creed of the National Church. The group held 1,163 daily sessions between 1643 and 1649, during which time its real work was done, though it did not end until 1652. The Directory of Worship, 
along Presbyterian lines was completed in 1644 and accepted by both Scottish and English parliaments. The form of government, which advocated Presbyterian polity for the national church, was completed in 1645 and adopted by Parliament in 1648. The Calvinistic Westminster Confession of Faith, the Assembly's most important work, was completed by 1646 and adopted by the Scots in 1647 and by the English in 1648. Thus, the State Church of England was a Calvinistic Presbyterian Church in 1648. The Longer and the Shorter Catechisms were also completed in 1647. With these things done, the real work of the Westminster Assembly of Divines was completed. The constitutions of the large of the larger American Presbyterian churches included all of the above documents. The Presbyterians in Parliament had not paid as much attention as they should have to the army, which had become Congregationalist in sentiment. Tired of the Presbyterian refusal to pay errors, errors of wages to the army, and of their unwillingness to have any but a Presbyterian state church, Cromwell, an independent or Congregationalist, ordered the colonial pride, the colonel, a colonel pride, to, quote, purge Parliament in 1648. The Presbyterians were driven out, leaving a rump of Congregationalists in charge. Cromwell, after the execution of Charles in 1649, created a commonwealth headed by himself. He dismissed the rump parliament in 1643, set up a protectorate, and until 1658 ruled as a dictator with the aid of the army. He was tolerant in matters of religion. He permitted the Jews who had been expelled in 1290 to return in 1656, and after Cromwell's death, the long parliament voted itself out of existence in 1660. In English, the English tried the English, tired of the strict way of life of the Puritans, recalled Charles II to become their ruler and adopted episcopacy again. A stiff code of laws known as the Clarendon Code put positions in the state church and state in the hands of Anglicans and forbade the meetings of the Puritans. About two thousand Calvinistic clergymen were driven from their churches and Puritanism became a part of the nonconformist tradition in England. Its most distinguished writers were John Milton, whose epic poem, Paradise Lost, is a theological treatise in verse form, and whose tract in 1634, called Eropagitza, defended freedom of thought, and John Bunyan, whose allegory of the progress of the Christian life in the Pilgrim's Progress, written in 1678, was brought, has brought help to many since that time. James II persecuted the Scottish Presbyterians in a killing time, not until James II was driven from England in the glorious revolution of 1689. Was toleration granted to the nonconformists of England? Both England and Holland had an established church with toleration for others.